Many people are confused about how Arizona's Grand Canyon was formed. Some think it was carved out by the Colorado River over millions of years, while others believe it eroded during Noah's flood. So what really happened at Grand Canyon? And the little trickle of water left is the Colorado River. The trickle of water left after that, that huge washout. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Grand Canyon is considered by many to be one of the most beautiful and awe-inspiring places on Earth. Its colored walls rise to 8,500 feet and run 277 miles long. With a depth of a mile and its width between 4 and 18 miles, Grand Canyon truly is a wonder to behold, attracting some 5 million visitors a year. But just how and when did this enormous canyon form? Is it a result of millions of years of erosion, or was it carved out during the great worldwide flood of Genesis? The answer you'll hear today from creation scientists may surprise you. Stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as ICR geologists explain the scientific evidences for what really happened at Grand Canyon. First, we'll tackle the issue of the Colorado River. Did that waterway form Grand Canyon over millions of years? Well, because of past evolutionary teaching, many people still believe this is true, even though the Bible tells us that the Earth is only about 6,000 years old. Geologist and ICR president Dr. John Morris says the Colorado River theory never did flow well scientifically. Typically, we've been taught that the Colorado River carved Grand Canyon, that the erosion just due to the river then over 70 million years carved out the big canyon. But one of the problems with that has always been, where did the erosion material go? This huge volume of material that is now removed from Grand Canyon, but you add on top of that the erosion of materials upriver, the whole Colorado River drainage area, a lot of that was eroded. And where are the, the erosional remnants? Where's the delta? This was a strike against that Colorado River erosional theory. Over 1,000 cubic miles of material was removed during the formation of Grand Canyon. That's enough to cover an area the size of the state of New Jersey to a depth of 650 feet. So where did all that dirt go? We found some of that eroded material now, and it's been found to be some distance west of Grand Canyon. You would think that as it came out of the canyon, as it flattened out, there'd be this huge delta there in northern Arizona and to the south where the Colorado River goes today. But these eroded materials, a lot of it are in the Salton Sea area, but a lot of it seem to be off the west coast of, of San Diego area. There's huge volumes of sediments that match the kinds of sediments that came from the Colorado River drainage area, and it's quite a far distance. This means that the velocity of the water going through there, it was rapid, it was going through fast, and it carried those materials way downstream, not just depositing there at the exit to the canyon, as you might think. This is one of the proofs that it happened rapidly by rapidly flowing waters. ICR geologist Dr. Andrew Snelling. Even the conventional scientific community now recognizes that the rock material that was eroded out of the Grand Canyon is possibly over by the Pacific Ocean, either behind here in San Diego or up in the Los Angeles Basin. And that makes sense because the water shooting across that plateau country, it's not going to do a sudden left-hand turn and go south. It's going to go keep on straight towards the Pacific Ocean. But as soon as it gets out of the plateau country, where the water current slows down, it's going to drop all the sediments. And it's going to pile up in the desert. 
down here at near San Diego and Los Angeles. But could the Colorado River, over time, have cut out and moved this humongous amount of material away from Grand Canyon? ICR geologist Bill Hoche says the river is not strong enough to move that amount of dirt and rocks. When we look down at the present Colorado River, when you look at the walls of the canyon, the side canyons, the rapids, and so on, it doesn't look like the present-day Colorado River is doing much downcutting. doesn't look like it's doing any side-cutting. It looks like the Colorado River is just passing through. The erosion that takes place in Grand Canyon is this, though. When you do have a thunderburst over the, one of the rims, water gets funneled down those dry washes and forms flash floods in the side canyons. And those side canyons rush down into the bottom of the canyon and just dump enormous loads of material every time there's a flash flood. Dr. Snelling says even this present-day eroded material doesn't get moved out of the canyon by the Colorado River. The rapids in the Colorado River are formed by flash floods in the side canyons, bringing rubble down to the mainstream of the Colorado River. And the Colorado River is not clearing out that rubble. It's just going over it and forming rapids. And when they have had recent floods where they've had releases from the dams, all they've done is stirred up the mud and sand that's in the river and when the flood subsides it just dumps it back down again it rebuilt some of the beaches but it hasn't hasn't carved anything more out it's just redistributed the sediments that were there bill hosh when we look at the work in these side canyons we have to ask is this geologic work that's being done this modern day erosion is it serving to make the canyon walls steeper or is it serving to demolish the steep walls well it's obviously demolishing them tearing them down. So the present-day erosion is tearing down Grand Canyon. It's not making it deeper. It's not making it steeper walled. And the material that gets dumped into the river, huge house-sized blocks get dumped into the river by these flash floods. Just enormous volumes of material get dumped. And the present-day river does not have sufficient capacity to, to remove that stuff. It cannot flush that material down the canyon. And I'm talking with discharges in the river prior to when Glen Canyon Dam was constructed. In other words, the natural river was not able to clean its own channel. The idea that the Colorado River carved out the Grand Canyon over millions of years was the popular evolutionary explanation for many years. However, as Dr. Morris tells us, many secular geologists no longer accept this theory. The common view among even my evolutionary colleagues is that the Colorado River did not carve the canyon. The mechanics of erosion are all wrong. That kind of river would never carve that kind of canyon. The dominant view among most geologists nowadays, those that study the canyon, is that they would say that not very long ago, sometime within the last one million years, some huge volume of water came through here and carved this thing out rapidly. That's what they say, and that's what we've been saying all along. We can live with that. We think, at the time of the flood, they're saying within the last million years, uh, they're coming our direction. They're starting to get it right. What really happened at Grand Canyon? Well, many Christians believe it was formed during the year of the great flood of Noah's day. But Bill Hosh says this is a mistaken assumption. He says Grand Canyon couldn't have been formed during the flood year because the rock layers in the canyon were being laid down at that time. If the layers of sedimentary rock that we see exposed in the walls of Grand Canyon were deposited during the flood, I don't think it was the flood that carved Grand Canyon for the simple reason that right after they were deposited, they would have been soft sediment. In other words, the sandstone would have been sand. The siltstone would have been silt. You know, it would have been loose material. When you erode loose material, does it leave a steep walled canyon? Probably not. 
And so, therefore, I tend to think there was an event following the flood that eroded Grand Canyon. Dr. Snelling says although Grand Canyon wasn't cut out during the flood, how it formed is a direct result of the flood. The first part of the sequence of events is the layers that we now find in the walls of the canyon that have fossils in them. They're sedimentary layers that cover huge areas. Now these, of course, were deposited during the flood. But then at the end of the flood, we read in the scriptures, of course, that the mountains were raised, the valleys sank, the waters retreated off the surface of the earth. And at the Grand Canyon, the next part of the sequence of events is the uplifting of those sedimentary strata containing the fossils because the top of the Grand Canyon now is at a height of more than a mile above sea level. So the canyon country, the plateau country, got pushed up. Okay, Now, as a result of that, some of the waters that were trying to retreat at the end of the flood got trapped behind this plateau that got pushed up. Dr. Morris explains that the floodwaters that were trapped behind rock barriers formed enormous bodies of water. Lakes bigger than Lake Michigan were trapped on the interior of the continents and they would be held in place by natural dams of mountains that had risen and, and now they're trapped in there. And these are the waters that would cut through the rock deposited by the flood and carve out Grand Canyon. At the Grand Canyon area, it seems like this natural dam failed within dozens or tens or maybe a hundred years after the flood. That natural dam failed and this lake the size of Lake Michigan, not only with accumulated floodwaters, but then expanded by the ice age which came after the flood, it overtopped the dam and began to drain out and notch to notch and then and then that notch began to grow and then the whole thing failed and the canyon then was formed in a very short period of time as these waters drained out of that lake. Dr. Snelling. Now the flood finishes and this water's dammed up but of course you still have a bit of rain and so a little bit more rain and the, the dam fills higher and higher and it's not long, maybe only a year or two, maybe right at the very end of the flood, maybe a century after the flood, 100 years after the flood. But at some point, there was so much water behind this dam and some of it was starting to leak through cracks that eventually the dam wall failed. There was enough of a channel started to open up for the water to come rushing down and whoosh, all that water that was dammed up behind the plateau country came shooting across this plateau country to carve out the Grand Canyon that we know today. And the little trickle of water left is the Colorado River. The trickle of water left after that, that huge washout. But would the water flowing through this broken dam have enough energy and strength to carve out Grand Canyon? Bill Hoche says rapidly moving water is very powerful and very destructive. We do have a lot of pictures of what water can do at high velocity. At Mount St. Helens, there were mud flows that came down off that volcano and carved canyons into the flank of the pre-existing andesite of Mount St. Helens, so it was hard rock, to the tune of 200 feet. So you had 200 feet of rock erosion in one day in a number of cases. Now this is mud and water moving, but it's testimony to what watery fluids can do at high velocity. You get them going, and they will really cut. Dr. Snelling says that when we think about the power and force of water, the global flood, and the sudden catastrophic formation of Grand Canyon we realize just how uncertain our days on Earth really are. Things can happen very quickly that we'd never dreamed of. And, of course, in life there's one thing that's not certain, and that is life. There comes a point where we all have to face our maker. There comes a time when life finishes and we never know when that's going to happen. There could be a catastrophe at any time and we could be 
taken out of this world. And so it's important, I think the lesson of the canyon is we should always be ready to meet our maker. Always be ready. Because we just don't know what tomorrow will bring. And so it's important that we understand God's offer of salvation to everyone through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Creator Himself, who gave His life for us. We need to each one be sure that we're going to be with Him if we die today or die tomorrow. And so today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Don't put it off because, you know, this Grand Canyon catastrophe occurred when that plateau got carved out with the Grand Canyon. Something could happen tomorrow that we didn't count on and the opportunity will be gone. So it's important today, make that decision to be reconciled with your Creator and Maker, the Lord Jesus Christ. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.